verses 9 to 12. Now, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Amen. Thanks so much, Dan. Good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you. As I said, my name's Emily. If we haven't met yet, really warm welcome to St. Aldate's. I'm going to pray before we get into God's Word together tonight. Jesus, we thank you for your presence here with us tonight. We thank you for the gift of your word, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate it in our hearts tonight, that we would leave here knowing more of Jesus, transformed by your word, and sent out in the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, do keep that passage in your Bibles open this evening, Romans chapter 12, because we're in a series at the moment where we've been looking through Romans chapter 12, and we've been focusing on what it is to live a transformed life. What happens when Jesus comes into our lives, not only affecting us as individuals, but affecting us as a community and transforming us in a way that transforms the world around us? And tonight we're specifically in those verses, verses 9 to 13, and we're going to be thinking about love. What does it look like in view of God's mercy to lead a life of love, a life led by, fueled by, overflowing with love? Now, the love we read about in our passage tonight isn't just a sentimental greeting cards, Valentine's kind of love. Perhaps you've been spending hours working on your cards or planning your Valentine's Day. I'm sorry, but that is not the kind of love that we're thinking about tonight. We're actually thinking more about the love that was demonstrated by the man Valentine's Day is named after, Saint Valentine, who was actually an early Christian martyr. He was imprisoned. And he was actually beheaded for his faith. And he was, um, he was killed on 14th of February 9th, in 269 AD for helping persecuted Christians and actually marrying them. This sacrificial, giving love is more like the love that we're thinking about tonight. And Paul makes it clear in these verses as he kicks off. He says in verse 9, love must be sincere. In other words, love must be genuine, not hypocritical. And then he says, we're to love one another with brotherly affection. We're to try and outdo one another in the way that we love each other. That in response to God's mercy, which we read about at the beginning of Romans chapter 12, the response to that isn't just a kind of loving God and one another for a few hours on a Sunday. It's a love that transforms our whole lives. It's a love that gets to the very core of who we are and the way we interact with each other. This isn't just a sentimental greeting cards type of love or a love that's like your... Facebook status, relationship status, if anyone does that anymore, or a love that's a bit like Mean Girls where you say you like something, but in the background you don't really like it at all, or a love that goes up and down depending on your feelings. Now, the kind of love that we're thinking about tonight that Paul is speaking to us through the word to about tonight is a love marked by sincere, authentic, cross-shaped love. It's a life of love, as the message translation puts it, that should flow from the center of who we are, not faking it. Now, I don't know about you, but the thoughts and feelings that flow from the center of who I am aren't always the types of things I want to stand up here and tell you all about on a Sunday. You know, it's easy to love 
when it's easy to love, when the people around you are easy to get along with. But we're called to, what we're called to as followers of Christ is an agape kind of love, a sacrificial, self-giving, covenantal type of love. And it's costly, but it's a beautiful way to live a life of love. And in order to lead this life of love, I just have two simple main points that I wanna make tonight, is firstly, we must let love lead us, and secondly, let love pour out of us. So firstly, what is it to be led by love? Well, in verse nine, Paul says, we're to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Now, has anyone ever been water skiing here in the room tonight? A few hands raised, great. Well, if you've ever been water skiing or perhaps you've given it a go, you might have experienced what it's like to cling onto something, to cling onto a handle or a rope. In fact, I have a little prop here tonight. Um, (laughs) We have a handle for water skiing. So if you've ever given it a go, you cling on to the handle. Now, I actually used to be a water skiing instructor back in the day, it was my summer job. Um, Sounds a bit more exciting than it was, I mainly just clean changing rooms and hung up wet wetsuits. But when I did get to actually teach people how to water ski, we'd often do an on the land lesson to explain some top tips before we'd actually put them in the water and give them a go. So does anyone fancy a quick on the land water skiing lesson? Dittier, you round? <laughs> I know Dittier likes to get involved. Let's give it up for Dittier. So don't worry, your phone's not gonna get smashed. Dittier, do you wanna just come over here? So when we're doing on the land lessons, there's three, three things you want to remember, okay? The three top tips, knees bent, arms straight, rah, rah, rah. And then the third one, a few people have done it before, the third one is let the boat do the work, okay? Can you remember those? All right, so we're going to do the on the land lessons. This is your handle. I'm, imagine I'm the boat. And what I want you to do is actually sit down for me. I'm going to pretend Dittier's in the water, bobbing around. He's got his knees up to his chest. He's got skis in front of you. <laughs> Arms straight, knees bent, and then as the boat starts to pull you, oh, no, see, that's wrong. <laughs> Sorry, did you? <laughs> nice and relaxed. Let the boat do the work. You can trust the boat. Already? Okay, relax. Let the boat do the work. There's <laughs> no pressure. Knees bent, arms straight. Excellent. Knees bent. Yay! Give everyone a wave. Uh, like a boss. Thank you, Ditty. You can sit down. Why am I telling you about water skiing? Well, A little bit like water skiing, it's very counterintuitive when you're being pulled by the boat. You want to try and pull yourself up. But it's in letting the boat do the work that you find it a lot easier. And in a similar way, we can only possibly begin to lead a life of love in the way that Jesus calls us to, when we let his love pull us along, when we let his love be the source of everything we, we do, when we don't try and love in our own strength, but we let his love be the guiding force in our lives. And in Romans, we see all throughout the book of Romans the invitation that Paul invites us to, the undercurrent of everything that he calls us to live by is in first first and foremost a response to God's love towards us first, the love that he has shown us in Jesus. The only way that we can live with sincere, wholehearted love, the only way that we can hate what is evil and cling on to what is good is to be led by love incarnate, by love himself, by Jesus who demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Jesus came into this world, he took on flesh in order to show us what love looks like, to demonstrate the power of his love through his life, death, and resurrection. We can be set free to lead a life of love. 
And his is a love that fulfills our deepest desires to be loved because it was a love that we were created for. His is a love that is steadfast and unchanging. His is a love that is sacrificial, that he, where he died to set us free from the powers of darkness and death. His is a love that sets us free from fear. His perfect love casts out fear. And his is a love that has the power to defeat any addiction, any sin. And his is a love that can heal and comfort and restore any pain or heartbreak that you have been through or experienced. His is a love that can turn even a murderer of Christians, someone who used to persecute Christians, into one of the greatest preachers of all times, the guy that wrote most of the New Testament, Saul, who became Paul, who wrote the letter that we're reading tonight. I remember so vividly the first time I came into this church after being away from church for a really long time and I encountered that love for myself. It changed everything. It was a love that didn't judge me for where I'd been. A love that saw all of the good, but also all of the bad. And it was a love that welcomed me with open arms as I met Jesus here in this building. In Romans, we read that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And I remember coming into this church as a student and experiencing the kindness of his love washing over me as I surrendered my life to Christ. That love was poured into my heart through the Holy Spirit. And if we want to live authentic, sincere lives of love, we first must encounter the love of God in Christ Jesus, letting love be the driving force of our lives. John Wesley, who was a great leader in the evangelical revival, he was a student at Christ Church just behind us. When he encountered the love of God in a powerful way, he described it as his heart being strangely warmed. But then he said something beautiful. It said it was the love that took him from having the faith of a servant to having the faith of a son. His identity became, he became found in the love of God. When he knew God as his father, he could cry, Abba, Father, in an intimate way. And my question tonight is, do you know this kind of love? Because Jesus died for you because he loves you. Have you met him? There is an invitation to come home to him tonight. The Father's arms are open wide. Or perhaps you need to encounter his love afresh today. And we'd love to pray with you to talk to you about that. But you know, when you're water skiing, if you fall off and face plant, you kind of have to wait there in the water for the boat to come back around. And this is where the illustration does break down a little bit because even when we get it wrong, even when we fall away, even though we're holding on to God, he's already holding on to us. Elsewhere we read in Romans chapter eight that in all these things we are conquerors through him who loved us. And then we read that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We cling on to what is good because God is already clinging on to you. And no matter how many times you fall in, he's always there to pick you back up. But this isn't a cheap kind of grace that gives you a ticket to then live however you like. But it's an invitation into a life of Christ-shaped love. To then be a conduit of his love into the world around you. To let his love flow in and through you. To let his love pour out of you. Paul, Paul goes on to write in verse 11, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And when he's writing this, keep your spiritual fervor, it's not really the best translation, the word being fervent, it's actually better translated as being ablaze. In other words, being on fire, being aglow, actually boiling over. In fact, it was used at the time to describe metal that had been heated to white hot and to describe water that had reached boiling point. This is the kind of zeal that the Lord wants us to have. So perhaps a better translation is be set on fire by the Spirit. 
I was once serving at a um, barbecue in a church in Paris, and um, we were having a community event. We were welcoming in people from the local area to come and kind of meet the church and, um, yeah, just get to know the local people. We'd spent the day going out inviting people to come along. And I was helping serve some drinks and just kind of doing what I could to serve. And um, I suddenly felt a little bit hot as I was serving a drink. And I realized I'd lent over a tea light and the blouse had like a little um, kind of bit hanging off it, and it managed to be lit by the flame. And instead of being like a normal person, stop, drop, and roll, I then ran, and immediately the flame kind of grew, and people, of course, ran away from me. Thankfully, miraculously, I was absolutely fine. We put out the fire, and it was okay. But this is not the kind of zeal that the Lord wants us to experience. This is not the kind of fire. It's not our own fire that's kind of fueling us in our Christian life. No, but zeal is about presenting ourselves before God, who is a consuming fire. Like the song we sang earlier, um, King of Kings, the church of Christ was born when the spirit lit the flame. This is the fire that God wants to experience, his fire filling us afresh. There's a great book called Set Me on Fire by Malcolm McDonald, and he says this. He says, being on fire has to be more more than a mere short-term spiritual effort. It is a much more transforming, costly, and life-altering fire. As I read the Bible, it seems to me that being on fire means being filled, possessed, and saturated with God. There is something genuinely supernatural worked out in the ordinary and everyday life here. This means that we can still work, rest, laugh, and cry so long as he is Lord and our first love. And then it says being on fire is not about being over-intense or super-spiritual. It's about genuine surrender, rooted in worship and adoration. This is the kind of zeal and fire that the Lord wants us to carry. And when his fire is in us, it, won't, it can't stop spreading. His love poured into you will pour out of you. As Jesus says, he speaks about the Holy Spirit. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. But like trying to pull yourself up when you're water skiing, a barrier to being filled by the Spirit and living an adventure of trusting in God and being used by him is often that we still want to try and do things in our own strength to pull ourselves along, but there is joy and freedom found in surrender. And a church full of people who have zeal for God, set on fire by the Spirit, can transform the world. On the day of Pentecost, those gathered in the upper room, they, after they were filled with the Spirit, they spilled out onto the streets and witnessed to Jesus. Simon Ponsonby, in his book on Romans, says an undeniable fact of church history is that those who have achieved most for God are those who gave themselves most to God in zeal. And God is on the move today. We're seeing his spirit at work in so many different places. The stories each week of people coming into this very building, encountering the love of God for the first time, or being healed, or being set free. People just feeling drawn to come to church. Perhaps you're here tonight, and that is you. But there are still so many people who have not heard of the good news of Jesus Christ. There are people living in darkness that need to know God's justice and healing. People from all around the world gather to come to Oxford and have opportunity here on our doorstep to hear of who Jesus is. And no one is disqualified, whether you've been a Christian your whole, whole life or 20 years or even 20 minutes. God is real and he wants to use you. And our world desperately needs a demonstration of God's power, a church set on fire with the love of God. But you know, sadly, life's trials can knock the zeal and fire out of us. In fact, sometimes our zeal can be directed to anything apart from God. We can lose sight of God's, the gravity of God's love towards us 
and the love he wants us to, to display to one another. In fact, we can start clinging to what is evil and letting go of what is good. We can get caught up in perhaps our career path, our desire for financial security, making life comfortable, success, achievements, none of this bad in and of itself. But when our desires start to be directed in the wrong way, not putting God first, we can almost start to become numb to sin, to be attracted to things that we know aren't good for us, to get trapped in patterns of sin, turning our desires away from God. And that's why our desires need to be renewed day by day. We need to constantly be brought back to the love of God found in Jesus, why we need to spend time daily in his presence, in the word, letting his love come and help us to love people in the world around us. Often when we keep loving in our own strength, we reach the limits of our own love. Confession time here, I'm preaching to myself even this week as I knew I was speaking about brotherly love, loving one another. I managed to have an argument with someone close to me in my family and I've never felt less like showing brotherly love. And I remember praying, God, help me. But you know, after kind of simmering for a bit and actually knowing that I'd really fully reached the limits of my own love, something happens when we just surrender a situation to Jesus lay it at his feet. It's amazing how he can start to soften your heart and almost renew your thinking towards someone and start to bring healing to situations. It's not always simple and happens in a moment, but he has the power to transform situations. We need to be sustained by his love in order to pour that love out to one another. We need to be set ablaze with God's love. But Paul isn't oblivious to the challenges of loving one another. You know, we are saved and we're adopted into God's family but we don't get to choose our family. And that is a wonderful thing. And, and I think the amazing thing about church is the unity that we experience in the diversity. In fact, I believe as Christians, we should be friends with people that you wouldn't ever imagine being friends with unless you met them in church. And that's why coming together in small groups isn't just another social club, but it's a place of encounter with the living God. We are carriers of the Holy Spirit. And so when we come together, we're gathering as the holy fire of God. And, and like coals in a fire, you might have heard this before, but when we come together, we're kept warm. But when coals come out of the fire, they gradually grow cold and stop burning. That's why we come together to be renewed in our love for God and one another. But this love doesn't just kind of fill us up to have a good time and to praise the Lord. It's actually a really practical outworking in our world around us. The Spirit empowers us to live generously and to demonstrate hospitality, as Paul writes about. But hospitality isn't just about throwing nice dinner parties for your friends and being nice to one another. That's great. But the word hospitality here is actually about loving the foreigner and the stranger. In fact, the early church was marked by beautiful acts of kindness and generosity. In fact, the early church grew rapidly through hospitality. There's a story I love to read about where the then Roman Emperor Julian put out a decree in 361 AD for his people to actually be more like Christians because they were converting too many people through their hospitality and charity, opening up their homes, winning converts to Christ. He actually instituted his own kind of welfare system to try and be more like the Christians. And by the grace of God, we're seeing beautiful, often hidden acts of radical hospitality and kindness and generosity in our community. But I wanna encourage you, what would it look like this week for you to show generosity and hospitality, perhaps someone you don't necessarily find that easy to love, or perhaps a colleague at work that you wouldn't necessarily call a friend, but there might be just someone God is calling you to show kindness and love to, or perhaps a family member that you struggle with to reach out to in love, or perhaps someone who isn't the most popular person at uni 
or wherever you are, what would it look like to welcome them into your community this week? Because Jesus' love poured into us will pour out of us. And he's inviting us to live a life led by love and transformed by love. And it's a love that enabled Paul to say, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And so the fire of God's love will give us strength, joy, and patience to be hopeful even in the darkest of storms. And this isn't a place of kind of escapism and just like positive thinking. No, it's in light of eternity, a life fueled by the hope of the resurrection life, a life where the the love of God will never run out. And you know, one of the most joyful Christians I've ever met, ever come across, was a man named, his name, Brother Yun, um, a pastor and founder of many, of much of the movement of the underground church in China. He was imprisoned for his faith many times, and he's actually banned from China, but he still preaches around the world today, and you can read his life story, it's incredible, in um, the book called The Heavenly Man. And the joy of the Lord just radiated from within him, even though he'd been through so much persecution and trial. And this is something he writes about in his book, and just coming to land now, coming to land now, he says this, I didn't suffer for Jesus in prison. No, I was with Jesus, and I experienced his very real presence, joy, and peace every day. It's not those in prison for the sake of the gospel who suffer. The person who suffers is he who never experiences God's intimate presence. And so, as we're going to come now to the communion table, to the Lord's table, we come to experience his very intimate and real presence among us as we remember his once and for all sacrifice that changes our past, our present, and our future. I just encourage you to be led by love, to open yourselves afresh to the love that Jesus has won for you. Perhaps you want to ask for forgiveness for where you might be clinging on to things that are not good. Perhaps you've been trying to live life as your own leader instead of being led by Jesus. And ask the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh with the love of God. So whatever you face, you may have that fuel, that fire in you to transform the world around you. Amen.